Well, good morning again. If you guys are new here with us today, I just want to spend a, a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here with us. There's a lot of things you could have done, but you chose to be here with us today, and we believe that's going to be a good decision for you and that you won't run out scared or hating it. Uh, at the very least, get some good coffee, and you can enjoy that much, if nothing else. But uh, if you guys have your Bibles here with you today, would you turn to Matthew chapter 7? We're continuing in week two of our series, It Is Written, and the whole idea behind this series is we want to help the Bible become alive to everyone. We want to make it so that when you open up the Bible, you're excited about it, you're reading it, you're hearing God speak to you through it. Last week was all about that idea of that God's Word is alive, it's active, that it changes who we are. And I gave you guys the reading plans. How many of you guys are doing all right on that reading plan? Yeah, there we go. Has it been awesome? Yeah. It's like the easiest reading plan yeah. ever. Yeah. It's so short, but it allows you to really just chew on this stuff and to uh, meditate upon it. And it's probably the, the smallest amount of reading I've done in my Bible as a part of a plan, but it is speaking to me more. I mean, I've read the Bible in a month before, the entire thing cover to cover, and I'm getting a lot more out of reading a chapter a day than I did then. <laughs> because it is alive, it's powerful, it's active, it speaks to us. And I encourage you guys, if you fell behind on the reading plan, don't worry about trying to catch up, just start again. Don't, I mean, because if you're trying to read 100 chapters in two weeks to catch up, you're going to get buried. So don't worry about that stuff. Just start right where you're at. Keep going. I encourage you to do that. If you don't have one, stop by the information table and grab one of the reading plans. It's the New Testament in 24 weeks. So that means about a chapter to sometimes two chapters a day is all the reading you have to do. And it is powerful. It's amazing what God will speak to you when you come to the living word and say, God, speak to me through this. So hearing great feedback on it already. Um, it's so cool having the church together doing this. And it's going to continue to change us as we continue to go through that. Well, today we're going to talk about building our life on God's Word. Now, every single one of us, we're all building our life on something. There is a foundation that every one of us has, and we're using this foundation to then build the rest of our life upon it. And for me, growing up as a part of a very musical family, music was the thing that I pursued more than anything else. At the age of three, my parents got me a violin, and we started doing violin lessons, and it was terrible. I absolutely <laughs> hated the violin because it's a skilled instrument, and I had no skill, and I was three. So it's just a tough, tough thing. God bless my parents for encouraging me to practice and having to put up with that. But, you know, my dad was a music major before he switched to biology, which is a weird combination of things. My grandpa was a music major. My grandma was a music major. So it was just, if you're in the Brown family, you are going to play something. <laughs> And then at the age of five, I was able to beg my parents to switch to the piano, which I enjoyed so much more than the violin. And I would play it, but it was never something I was passionate about. I enjoyed it more than the violin. It was my savior from the stringed instruments. But I put in my 30 minutes minimum a day, and I could see progress over the seven years that I did piano lessons, and it was okay. But when I was 14 was when I picked up a guitar. And from the moment I picked up a guitar, something happened inside of me. I knew this was my instrument. It felt like home for me. And so I started playing it, and I was absolutely terrible at it, and I got some private lessons. And every Thursday night, we'd go get my guitar lessons. It was my favorite day of the week. And I worked hard and practiced and practiced and got better and really enjoyed it. And so I started uh, thinking, I need to get myself a nice guitar. I was 16 years old, had been playing for a couple of years and I go up to Elderly Instruments in Lansing, which is an incredible music store. A couple of you guys are shaking your heads and excited about that. Everybody else is like, who cares? But <laughs> I went there, and there was this 1978 Gibson Les Paul Custom with a wine red finish. 
and I just strummed the strings on it. It was hanging on the wall, and I went to the front counter, and I said, put it on hold, and they said, we can hold it for you for 10 days. I said, all right, put it on hold for 10 days. I went home. I was 16 years old. I had just bought my first car three weeks before, and I went home, and I bought a for sale sign and put it out by the road. And three days later, I had sold my car, and I went back to the store, and I bought that guitar, and I named her Mary. I mean, I loved her so much that I gave her a name, and I'd always go, oh, Mary, and I was just so happy to have this instrument. And that first night that I brought her home, I actually slept with the guitar case in my arms. I was so in love. My friends were like, you're sick, you're messed up. And it was the most uncomfortable night of sleep I've ever had. But I was just so happy to have this guitar. And I rededicated myself at 16 to saying, I'm going to make a go of this. Music is going to be my life. And I came up with a schedule. I made it so on weekdays, I would practice four hours a day. I'd wake up early to practice for an hour before school. Uh, and at school, actually, I'd spend my lunchtime in the AP English teacher's class because she had an acoustic guitar. So I'd go down there and play her guitar for a half-hour lunch. And then I'd go home and play for an hour right away. And then I'd do homework, have dinner, and then I'd play for another couple hours before I went to bed. And I had that just a very strict regimented schedule. I was going to get good at guitar. And then on the weekends, I'd practice eight hours a day because I had the time to do it. So for two years, four hours a day on the weekdays, eight hours a day on the weekends. Didn't have a lot of friends anymore. Grew my hair out. I was that guy just playing guitar all the time. And I went to college. I majored in uh, guitar, jazz, and classical guitar. And my dream was like, I am going to be a guitar professor. I, was, I knew, I mean, trying to make it in the music industry, come on. That's a pipe dream. But if I get my PhD in guitar, then I can be a teacher, I can be a professor, I can you know, teach other people and instill these values into them. I wanted to be a great guitar player. So guitar became my career, it was my passion, it even became my ministry. I was gonna use it to try to train and to equip people and worship teams so that they could use their gifts to glorify God. My hope was in guitar, my purpose was found in playing guitar. Everything about who I was was based on music. It was the foundation for my life. And then one day I was in my dorm room and I was practicing and I started getting some pain in my wrist. And I thought, well, that's no big deal because I've been playing a lot of guitar for a lot of years. It's just, I've been doing it too much, I'll just take a break. And the next day I came back and I picked up my guitar and the pain was worse. And every day it kept getting worse. And then it started spreading to my elbows and even into my knees and ankles. And so my professor said, you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. So I went to the doctor, and they did some testing, and they brought me back in. They said, you know, Jeremy, I, I hate to tell you this because you're a young man, but you have rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. And I didn't even know what rheumatoid arthritis was at the time. I just heard arthritis, and I was like, all right, take some Flexol 454 and just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I had no idea. All I knew about arthritis was the Joe Namath commercials on TV. And so... The doctor's like, no, you don't understand. And he began to explain to me what rheumatoid arthritis was and what it was going to do to me. And he was right. The pain got worse. And it spread into my hips. And there were days where I would try to get out of my bed and roll out of that bunk bed in college, and I couldn't do it. I just had to stay in bed because the pain was just all over my body. And I lost the ability to play guitar. That's why I had to focus on philosophy, which is another unemployable path. <laughs> but, but for me, everybody else is thinking, okay, you can't play guitar anymore. It's not the end of the world. But for me, it absolutely was the end of my world. 
Because you see, whatever it is that you looked for, look to to be the provision for your life, that's what your foundation is. And when I looked to guitar, it wasn't just a hobby for me. It was the career path for me. All of my hopes for my future. All of my hopes for ministry. All of my hopes for finding contentment, joy, satisfaction, everything, my sense of purpose, my identity. All of these things were wrapped up inside of playing guitar. And so when I lost the ability to play guitar, I didn't just lose the ability to play guitar. I lost my dream. I lost my life. Everything came crumbling down for me in that moment, and I didn't know who I was. I remember going home on the weekends, and I'd, I'd cry. And my parents were like, what's wrong? And, you know, they, their heart went out for me, but they couldn't understand why this was so upsetting to me. They thought it was just the rheumatoid arthritis thing. But it wasn't that. It was that I had lost who I was. My life had completely crumbled in just a matter of months. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had no hope. I had no dreams. I had no plans. I, and in that moment, I found out I don't even know not only who I am, but I don't know who God is. Everything about my life crumbled in that moment. When that storm came and it hit me, all of the structure of my life that I had built up to that point, all of the thousands of hours and dollars and everything else that went into every hope, aspiration, and dream was all taken from me. And I found myself with nothing. And that's not something that happens just to me. That's something that almost every person I've ever met has a moment like that in their life. And this is why it's so important that we look at what are we building our life upon. Because storms are going to come. There are going to be things that are going to test you. There will be things that are taken away from you. And when that happens, the foundation of your life is either going to stand strong against the storm or it's going to crumble and your entire life is going to crumble with it. And this is why it's so important. We have to make sure that what we're building our life on can withstand the storm because a storm is coming for every single one of us. And when that storm comes, you'll find yourself like me where your life completely crumbled or you will withstand that storm and stay strong. Well, this is what Jesus had to say about this very topic. In Matthew chapter 7, he's finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, which if you guys are doing the plan, you read through that this week. And Jesus is just blowing people's minds. He's completely redefining how it is that they're called to live. The kingdom ethic, he's explaining to them about loving your enemies and praying and blessing those who persecute you, which goes against every cultural grain that they have and it goes against everything inside of them. He's talking about uh, new definitions for what purity is. He's talking about love for other people and patience, uh, laying down yourself and elevating others. Uh, people are just shocked by what it is that he's saying and it's a very long teaching and he comes to the end of this teaching and he ends it this way. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. See, Jesus is making this claim. He says that there are going to be storms that are going to come into your life. And what we want is for Jesus to protect us from every storm. 
That's so many of our prayers are built upon Jesus, please don't let the storm come. And Jesus is saying, hey, I hate to break this to you guys, but storms are coming. It is an inevitable part of your life. You will go through seasons of testing. There will be things that happen. And he says, and that's why it's so important that you build on a solid foundation. And he says, the only solid foundation that we can build our lives upon in this world is his words. The words of God spoken to us. Anything else that we build our life upon will end up collapsing and failing us when the storm comes. But if we build our life upon his words, it doesn't matter how strong that storm is. It doesn't matter how much rain and how hurricane gales are blowing against you. There is nothing that can destroy your life when your foundation is his words. Because his words aren't like anything else. They're powerful. They're active. They're alive. His words are true. His words are our provision. Last week we talked about that when he speaks, his words aren't just spoken word, but that when he speaks, his words have the power to bring about that which he has spoken. So we have to make sure that as we're building our lives, as we're dreaming, as we're planning for our future, as we're building the structure of what our life is going to be, the foundation that we build everything else on, the provision that we look to has to be Jesus himself. Our life has to be built on the foundation of God's words. So then the question is, how do we build our life on God's words? Because it's a, it's a nice idea, but how is it that we actually do that? And the first thing that we have to do to build a life on God's words is, number one, we must accept its authority. Yeah. Now, I am an authority figure in the lives of my children. They don't always believe that, but I am. And I use the authority that I have not for their harm, but for their good. I don't lie to them. I don't mislead them. I don't deceive them. I don't try to keep them from having fun. I use the authority that I have to benefit them. But even though the words that I speak are true and authoritative, they only receive the benefit from my words if they actually listen to them and believe them. Now, Eason, from the time he was born, because he was our firstborn, were scared of everything. You know, when you're firstborn, you think that you have to put them in bubble wrap and protect them from the world that's around them. You guys know the first-time parents. Like, they're the ones that won't let you look at their kids. Like, no. <laughs> like, hey, can I hold your baby? <laughs> and so I always like to take them and pretend I'm dropping them just to really build their, no. Now nobody's going to let me hold their baby ever again. <laughs> I don't really do that. I was trying to make a bad joke. But, what I'd always tell him, I was so scared that he was going to touch the oven because we cook a lot. And I think this kid, he's going to reach out and he's going to touch the oven. So I'm always saying, Eason, whatever you do, do not touch the oven. It is hot and it will burn you. And I would tell him this all the time and every time we're cooking, you know, I'm opening the oven and I'm trying to box him out and like trying to kick him away, <laughs> make sure. Like I'd rather that he get kicked by me than that he climb in the oven. And, but he, he's magnetically drawn to this oven, and I have no idea why. And I'm always saying, Eason, don't touch the oven. It's going to burn you. I'm not trying to keep you from having fun. There aren't lollipops hidden in the oven that I'm trying to keep you away from. The oven is going to hurt you if you touch it. My words are authoritative. My words that I'm speaking to you are true, and they are for your benefit. But his one-year birthday... We're baking him his special one-year-old cakes. We kept him away from all sugar and processed foods until the age of one. And that was, oh wow, that was crazy when he ate the cake. But it was in two pieces. So we're, we have the oven open and we take out the first piece of cake and we go to set it on the cooling tray. And as the back is turned, I hear, ah! 
And I turn around, and in that split second of putting the cake on the cooling rack, he has reached in and he has grabbed a hold of the inside of the oven door. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, that's his one-year birthday. It was great memories. And, you know, running the water under there, and he's crying and trying to console him and putting burn cream on it and everything. And I'm like, oh, why didn't you listen to me? The authoritative words that I spoke to you, even though they were, just because you didn't believe me didn't mean that it wasn't true. But you only receive the benefit of the true words I speak when you accept it as true, when you accept it as authoritative. And it's the same way for us with God. The words that he speaks, the will that he reveals to us isn't something where he's trying to keep us from having fun. He's not trying to keep us from doing these other things. The words that he speaks are for our benefit. They're to protect us. They're to lead us into his will. They're to allow us to be propelled into the destiny that he's called every single one of us to. But so many times we don't receive the benefit of the words that he speaks because we don't accept it as authoritative inside of our lives. And I think there are two reasons why we have trouble accepting God's word as the authority in our life. Is number one, is because we don't agree with it. Uh, how many t- I mean, if you guys say that every time I read the Bible, I agree 100% with everything I read, you are a more spiritually gigantic person than I will ever be. Because here's the thing, I come across things when I read the Bible, I think, how can that be? That doesn't seem right. I mean, I mean, the first time I remember as a teenager when I really got serious about God and started trying to pursue him, like every other verse, I was like, what? That can't be right. I must have the wrong translation. This isn't the right one. But the reason for that is because we, the basis of Christianity is that we are a sinful, fallen people and that God is pure and perfect and holy. So I can't expect that when I look at the words of the pure, perfect, and holy God, that they're going to match up with the sinful experiences that I have gone through and the way that I view it. If my view of everything lined up with God's view, then I wouldn't need him. I would already have been without sin. But my sinful nature has caused beliefs inside of me that contradict the truth of God's word. And that's why I have to accept that his word is the authority even when I don't agree with it. Because here's what I've discovered. Every time I have a disagreement with God, he's been right and I've been wrong. Amen. He is batting 1,000. I cannot strike him out. <laughs> but there are things like culturally, we have all been influenced by our culture. And when we even read scripture, we're influenced by how we read it because of the culture that we're a part of. And we have seen in our lifetime, culture changes fast. Yeah. And when you look back at what the generation before us believed and then 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, Culture is constantly shifting and changing. And culture always thinks that it's right and that it has the market and the corner on truth. But when we look back at what people believed even 150 years ago, like, those people were savages. How could they have believed that? We, we know everything now. We're the enlightened ones. But 100 years from now, people can look back at us and be like, those savages. How could they have possibly believed that? Were they even Christians? We have to understand that God's word never changes. Amen. The words that he's spoken to us have been, and they always will be. And that's what we have to come. When we have a disagreement that could be because of our sinful nature and the experiences that we've gone through, it could be because of the way that our culture influences the way that we read the Bible. But always have to come back to say, God, your words are authoritative. Even when I disagree, I'm still willing to submit myself and say, God, I'm going to trust that your words are true. Then the second thing is we don't understand. There are a lot of things that even if we're willing to say, okay, God, I believe that your words are true, but I have no idea what this means. I have no idea why you want me to live this way or why you want me to do that. 
And you know what? That's always going to be the case. There are some things that I will never understand in Scripture. But I'm still willing to submit myself to the authority of Scripture even in the areas I don't understand. Eason, for the life of him, cannot figure out why I will not let him eat nothing but gummy bears all day. He will never understand that, maybe. But I have some understanding because I have more knowledge than he has. And it's the same way. We don't have the kind of knowledge that God has. We won't always understand why he calls us to do things. But you know what? I don't understand digestion, but I still eat. There are some things I'm willing to just do even if I don't understand it. And the, what I've discovered in my life is that a lot of times with the things that we don't understand, understanding of it will come as we submit ourselves yeah. and are obedient yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't understand, first submit and obey. Yeah. And then a lot of times understanding will come. And even if it doesn't, there are some things I'm willing to do that I don't understand as long as it lines up with what it is that God's called me to do. Yeah. And this is what happens when we accept the authority of God's word in our life. It says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we also thank God constantly for this. What they're thanking God for is that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. What, what Paul's saying is that when you received this message from us, we preached the gospel to you. And you received it. And that word for receive means to receive like you would a stranger, like you welcome a stranger. They, this says that the word of God to them was like a stranger. They didn't know it. They didn't understand it. But they were still willing to receive it into their lives. And they were willing to accept that it wasn't just the words of men or the words of an apostle being spoke to them, but it was the very words of God spoken to them. So when we read scripture, it isn't just the words of Moses, it isn't the words of Paul, it isn't the words of Matthew, it is the words of God. God might have used different people to pen these, but every single book, all of the scripture was written by God Amen. through humans. And this is what happens. It says that they received the scripture, they accepted it as the word of God, and because they did that, now the word of God was at work inside of them. See, when we receive the scripture, even if it's like a stranger to us, we don't understand it, but we're willing to welcome it into our lives. We're willing to accept that it is the word of God to us, not just some best ideas or words of man. When we believe that these are the words of God that are authoritative and true that we can build our life upon, it says that then the words of God are at work inside of us. And that's where change begins to happen. Change begins to occur inside of us when we receive and we accept the word of God. But if we don't receive it, if we don't accept it, then it will never be at work inside of us and we will never be a changed people. We will never be able to build our foundation on the words of God. And even though the words of God are true and authoritative, if we don't accept them and receive them, we will never receive the benefit of his words. It doesn't make them less true if we don't believe it. Just like Eason's thought that I was crazy for telling him not to touch the oven, just because he didn't believe me didn't mean it wasn't true. He found out, and we find out too. But it's a lot easier on us when we just accept the word of God and build our life on that. And then the second thing, well, actually, let me, I'll expound a little bit more. You know, at Radiant Church, one of our core values, we always say, is that we're word-centered. This is so important for us. It's not just important that every one of us individually believes and accepts God's word as truth, but it's what we've decided we're going to be about as a church. 
At Radiant Church, we are word-centered. And that means that every belief that we have is because this is what the Bible tells us. We're not going to look at what our culture says. We're not going to look at what the humanness inside of me says. But everything that we believe comes down to what God's words have been spoken to us are. And it also means that that's part of our correction inside of ourselves and others is that when an area needs to be addressed, we don't just do it because like, hey, we're mad at someone or we don't like this, but it comes back to what is it that God's word says and how is it that we line ourselves up with this? Because we know that the only way that we're going to be strong as a church and fulfill the things that God's called us to do is when we say that, God, your word is the foundation that we're building this church on. And we will go to our last day as a church believing and accepting and receiving the word of God inside of us. And it has been at work inside of us. I am so honored and so blessed to be a part of this church and to see what God has been doing. And I can't wait to continue to see what it is that God has called us to do. But this is going to be a controversial issue for us in our generation and moving forward is believing the word of God. But that's something that I'm willing to have controversy over It's something I'm willing for people to be offended and to leave over. Not that we ever want that for someone. We want everybody to say, this is our home. We love it here. We encounter God here. We feel loved, valued, and accepted here. I meet with God when I'm here. But we have to accept the authority of the scripture as a foundation that we build this church on. And we have to accept it as a foundation that we build our own lives on. So here's the other thing if we want to build this foundation, is that we also have to apply its principles. It's not just enough to accept that these words are true. Now we have to do something with these words. I love it. Every time I go to the dentist, well, not anymore, but when I was a kid, I was like, you know, Jeremy, you have to floss. I was like, why? I brush my teeth twice a day. Why do I have to floss? Like, you have to floss. I'm like, okay, I know I need to floss. And so I remember getting a, a side cavity, and that convinced me, like, okay, I actually do need to floss. They weren't making this stuff up. But what happens is, like, I know that I'm supposed to floss my teeth every day, and I do now because of the number of cavities I've gotten. I was a slow learner, but I learned. But I'd always, like, be sitting there with getting a feeling of, like, oh, why did I ever eat Mike and Ike's? I hate sticky candies. It so wasn't worth it. And uh, why didn't I just floss? Why didn't I just put that stupid candy away and not eat it? It made me fat. It made me broke. And now I'm having to get a filling to boot, and someday it'll be a root canal. And I'm all mad about it. I'm like, I'm going to change my life. And then a month later, I'm like just shoving the Mike and Ike's down my throat again. Because even though I know it's true that I need to stop eating Mike and Ike's and I need to floss, if I don't do anything with that truth, it doesn't change me. We all know that when people tell us that we shouldn't smoke, uh, that's true. But if we continue to smoke, it will have damaging effects on us. We know that when the financial planners tell us, hey, you need to make a budget, you need to live within your means, you need to get rid of debt, you need to save for retirement. We can believe that, but if we don't apply that principle to our life, we don't receive any of the benefit of that knowledge. We have to make sure that we're taking the principles that we are reading about the true words of God now bringing those into our lives and letting change happen inside of us. That's why Jesus says, if you hear the words of mine and put them into use, you're wise, you're building your house on a firm foundation. But if you hear the words but you don't do anything with it, then your life is going to wash away when the storm comes. And he even says this in James chapter 122, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. 
So going to the doctor every year to get my inhalers refilled. He's always like, hey, you, get, you working out? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally working out, eating right. He, I'm only fooling myself. Like, I know that things I'm supposed to do, but if I'm not actually doing it, I might be able to tell the doctor, oh, yeah, I'm working out, I'm eating right, life is good and healthy. But then he checks my BMI, and he's like, yeah, you're not working out and eating right. I was only fooling myself. And that's the way it is for us, too. You can know Scripture front and back, you can have it all memorized. You can know what God's word says and you can say, I believe it. Yeah. But if you don't begin to apply it yeah. to your life, yeah. you might be fooling a few other people around you. You might even be fooling yourself. But when that storm comes, you'll be the one that looks like a fool. And so we have to make sure that we are taking these things and we're applying it to our life. And that's why as we're doing this reading plan right now, what I do is I pray first. Every time I read the Bible, I'm like, God, you wrote this. The Holy Spirit inspired this. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. So would you make this come alive to me? Would you unlock scripture to me? God, what is it that you're saying through this? And now how is it that I apply this to my life? What do I need to do? What needs to change inside of me? And when I do that, I'm building my life on the firm foundation. And if I don't do that, then I might as well not even read the Bible because it won't have any effect inside of my life. Here's the thing about foundations. They take a long time. When we're building our house that we lived in before we moved here, it's so exciting. You get the blueprint done, you're ready to build, and they dig a hole, and then they pour the cement, and then you wait. And you wait. And you're like, wow, I really thought building a house would go faster than this. Nothing has happened. It's been six weeks and absolutely nothing has happened. But something was happening. That cement was curing. It was becoming strong. It was becoming ready now to build the rest of the house on. And for you to lay the foundation of God's word in your life, it takes a while. It takes you saying, I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to allow it to work in me. I'm going to lay this foundation. And it's a slower way to build your life. And every day is God reveals something to you and you say, God, I accept this as the authoritative word on my life and I'm going to apply it to my life. You continue to do that every single day and you might not notice that anything's going on because you don't see massive things occurring, but something is happening beneath the surface. A foundation is being laid and it is being strengthened and you will be able to spend the rest of your life building upon that foundation. So here's what happened to me. After, um, and it was amazing, I had to step away from guitar for a while, I was very sick for a while, and God worked healing inside of me, and I'm able to play guitar again, which is great. Uh, but I made a decision. When I was at that weak point in my life where I couldn't do anything, and my entire life had crashed, and I reached out to God, and I said, God, I don't even know you anymore. I don't know me anymore. And I'm hurting, and I'm broken, and I honestly don't know what to do but I'm going to come after you. I want to know you. I want to know the way that you've called me to live my life. Yeah. And I began to lay a foundation. And this last year of my life was absolutely the hardest year that I have ever gone through because even though I went through a storm in my early 20s, the storm came again in my mid-30s. Yeah. And the pain that I experienced with the issues that I had was more pain than I ever knew someone could have it was just 
unbelievable how hard it was to go through that storm and to go through the surgeries and to go through the family stress of my kids not knowing and like crying, Dad, why won't you play with us? And, you know, having them visit me at the hospital and having to leave and they're crying and my wife wondering, am I going to live or am I going to die? But through that entire storm that I went through, I remained unshaken. I was never consumed by fear. I was never consumed with doubt. I never once questioned, am I going to make it through this storm? Because I had a foundation that I had been laying for the last 14 years before that, that I was been building my life upon, that enabled me to withstand that storm that I went through. And this is what I know. As I went through that storm, and the windows were shaken, and a few tiles blew off, and some of my pancreas, <laughs> in that storm... But I stood. Amen. And my family stands. And I never once doubted what God's plan and his purpose was for my life. And I knew that God called me and that his plan for me was for me to prosper. Yeah. I knew that he was the author and the finisher of my faith. I knew that he was the one who was my provision. I knew that he was the one that was going to complete in me the good work which he had started. I knew that he was the one who was the pastor of Radiant Church. I knew that he was the one that was going to withhold my, that was going to provide for my ham, family and to hold them up. I knew that no matter how bad the storm got around me, that it would never be the end of me. Because I believed the words that God had spoken. And I made them the foundation of my life. And there will be storms that come again inside of my life and again. But when we put our hope and our faith in Jesus and we make his word the authoritative word and the truth in our provision, you can withstand any storm. And I know some of you guys are going through storms right now. And it's tough. Through divorce or marriage things, through issues going on with your children, through sickness of your own, or maybe it's uh, financial, maybe it's, you know, whatever it can be, there's a million different storms that come. And if you're in the midst of one right now, you need to know that the only way you can withstand this storm is if you make that foundation of your life Jesus. And the storm may hurt. It might look like that storm is never going to end. But Jesus is the one who can, who can silence the storm with one word. And he's the one that keeps you safe through that storm. And even if your life is going great right now, if you're the me in my mid-20s just playing guitar to your heart's delight, the storm is coming, and you need to prepare for it now so that when the test comes, your life doesn't crumble. What would happen for us if, if we, every one of us, took hold of this idea that my foundation is going to be Christ? My foundation is going to be the words of God, and now I will never be shaken. Now it doesn't matter what it is that comes my way. I will never lose faith for the thing that God has called me to. I will never lose my sense of identity, my sense of purpose. I will never doubt the love of God inside of my life. I will never doubt that he is going to lead me into the fullness of all the things that he's spoken to me. Imagine the confidence that you would go through life with. See, too many times what happens is there are great callings that God has put on every one of us, but we never reach those callings because the storm comes and we find out that we haven't built our lives upon the sure foundation. And it's not just us that loses out on the benefit of it when that happens, but those that God has called us to. Our city lacks because we don't build our foundation on the sure foundation of Christ. Our world suffers because we haven't been those who dig in and make our foundation the words of God. Our families, our workplaces, 
Jesus has called us to be a blessing to all the nations. We carry in us the light of all the world. We carry in us the Holy Spirit, the one who empowers us. But all of those things are for nothing if we don't have a foundation that we can stand on. So this morning, this is what I encourage you guys to do. This is the challenge for us. Let's dig down deep. It might take some time, but let's lay a foundation that we know we can build our life on that will never fail us. And the way that happens is when you get into the Bible every day, follow that reading plan or some other reading plan, but go into it with a plan and open up that Bible and say, God, would you speak to me through this? I receive your word even like a stranger. I accept it as your word. Now let it be at work inside of me. Make it your foundation and let it cure over time to become strong. And then you will stand in the time of testing and you will move into the fullness of all that God has called you to. It will change your life. It will change our city. It will change this world. You guys stand with me this morning. And let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you speak to us through your word and that you also speak to our hearts directly. And Father, that's what we pray for right now. Would you speak to every one of our hearts? And God, would you reveal to us the foundation that we've been building on? Has it been you or has it been something else? There are two people that really are on my heart today. And the first is if you know that you need to be applying these principles that you're reading in Scripture to your life and you need to accept the Bible as authoritative and be able to, uh, you know, accept it without always understanding it or agreeing with it, then just this morning, make that a moment of surrender and say, God, even when I don't understand, even when I disagree, give me faith and give me strength to accept it because I want my foundation to be on you. And maybe you're in the midst of that storm right now. And just because you're in the storm and your foundation hasn't been Christ doesn't mean that you can't change that this moment. Because right now, God's able to come and to strengthen you through his word and enable you to stand through the storm. And maybe for some of you, it's that you need to make that decision that I am going to follow Jesus. Because what he has revealed in his word, where all begins for us, is the understanding that as he's revealed that we might have been born into sin and separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to remove all of our sin from us so that we could be reconciled to our Father, so that we could become sons and daughters, so that we could know God, so that we could be a people who are forgiven, living with no condemnation, no guilt, and no shame. If that's you this morning, all it takes, it says, is for you to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and to confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. So if that's you, we're just going to pray together. I encourage you to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. And I ask now that you would forgive me. And I ask now that you would forgive me. Remove my sin and my guilt and my shame. And fill me with new life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I accept your word this morning. Make it my foundation. And I will follow you every day. 
Continue to reveal yourself to me. Continue to reveal yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, let's just continue to worship God and allow him to speak to us this morning.